Galatians this morning. I had originally, when I, when I set out to, to plan this uh, calendar year, this, this church year's worth of material, had originally planned to do Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians between now and uh, August. And the reality is, I don't think we're going to get past Galatians. Um, I just can't do it. Uh, we've been skimming and skipping and moving so fast for so long, and I just really want to take my time and go through this. So we're, we're going to be here a little while. Uh, today is the who, what, where, when, and why. Um, you'll notice that I have a whole lot of stuff up here with me today, uh, and this is what I'm giving away today. So as we go through this series, if as we go through this lesson today, if this sounds interesting to you, I've got some stuff that will help. Miss Anna's eyes just got like this big. That was awesome. I love it. So if you've got your handout at your table, uh, if any table needs another one or needs more, we have a couple extra here and there. Uh, but the first blank up at the very top, who wrote Galatians? So we're starting with the who, what, where, when, and why. Anybody got a guess? Paul wrote Galatians, yes. He wrote the epistle to the Galatians. And, and the idea behind an epistle is it's a, it's a semi-open letter. The, the, the idea is that I'm writing it, and it's intended to be handed off and handed around. Um, if you look at your... If you look at your map um, on your front page of your handout there, you'll see that section called Galatia. And there were several known churches in that area. Um, there's a, there was a church at uh, Antioch and Pisidia and Lystra and Iconium and Derby, and probably several others. And these were places that Paul and his various companions stopped on a variety of missionary journeys. So these were people that knew Paul very, very well. Um, he was highly respected in that era. We are significantly past the point where he was known for torturing and killing Christians. Uh, he is now kind of the, the Billy Graham-esque figure of the New Testament. You know, everybody knew his name. Everybody would have been familiar with him. Uh, so that's where we're coming from when we talk about uh, who wrote Galatians. And if you go and you look up on secular websites, uh, authors of different New Testament books, and letters, you will find a great deal of discussion and argument around who wrote this and who wrote this and who wrote this. Nobody disagrees that Paul wrote this one. This is the, the kind of the, the Pauline epistle of the Pauline epistles. It's, it's as Pauline as it gets. So this is, you, you're going to get a good, healthy dose of Paul for the next few months, which I think is probably good for most of us. So it's good for me. Um, he's been beating the crap out of me for a couple of weeks, so I know that. So what's Galatians about? Well, Galatians is a letter where Paul refutes, R-E-F-U-T-E-S, refutes a false gospel and teaches about the gospel, grace, and freedom. Um, some junk had crept into the Galatian church, uh, into these churches in this area. Uh, the, the idea was Paul and his companions would come to a city, they would establish a church, and then they would teach and teach and teach and teach and teach, and then leave. And sometimes they were only there for a few weeks. So think about, you've got a few weeks to learn enough to sustain a church. <laughs> Who wants to sign up for that, right? I mean, this is a challenging concept. So these people were on their own because it was a pretty good distance to the next church, and they didn't have Bible colleges, and they didn't have resources, and they didn't have the collected works of the church fathers, and that they're writing this stuff. They're living it out. They're kicking the tires on the gospel and figuring out how this new paradigm works. And Paul leaves, and then he comes back, and then he leaves, and then he comes back, and then he leaves. So he's just, he's stopping in, and he's stopping in. And what he had heard was that there was a problem. 
What he had heard is that they had taken the gospel and that they had added something to it. And anytime you hear that, you have a real, real problem. Because these folks were mostly Jews, and more Jews were coming in. I'm sorry, they were, they were mostly Gentiles. And the Jews were coming in and saying, you have to add to the gospel. And just to be very clear, the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. That is the process whereby we can be saved. Jesus came and he paid that price so that we don't have to. We trust him and not in ourselves. That's the gospel. These folks were coming and saying you have to add something to the gospel. You have to keep the Old Testament law. If you've ever read the Old Testament law, most of you know that you're, you're breaking it right now. If you're wearing any type of mixed clothing fibers, too bad. If you had a ham sandwich on the way in this morning, you're breaking it. Too bad. There's just all kinds of uh, when we look at the law, we see a list of rules and regulations. And, and I really, I think the law gets a bad rap a lot of the times because Jesus was asked to summarize the law, and he said, love your God and love your neighbor. And I look at the law and I go, yeah, that's in there, but it doesn't seem to be the, the predominant theme of the whole thing. So these, these Jews were coming along, and they were saying, you need to add the law. And Paul says, time out, time out, time out, time out. We're not doing that. Because the law, and I've been thinking about this concept, and this is how I've reconciled and, and simplified it in my mind. The law and keeping the law and my attraction to keeping the law. Because sometimes you can feel really good about yourself when you go, oh, I, I did this thing, right? I checked this thing off, and I'm, that was good. I, I feel good about that. Well, keeping the law satisfies my desire to maintain a standard. Okay? And the gospel takes that standard and it says it was fulfilled in Jesus, right? So when I am attracted to the law and satisfied with keeping the law, it becomes about what I am doing. It does not become about what Jesus has already done. Does this make sense? Okay, so for me, that is the message of the epistle of Galatians, is that quit focus, it's, it, it, it's rooted, I believe, I believe in selfishness because I have this desire, I want to please myself, I want to look good, I want to sound good, I want to do this. No, I want Jesus to look good. He's already done the thing. He's already fought this battle. He is the one that succeeded at this. So that's, that's where we're going with this. So Galatians is a letter where Paul refutes a false gospel and teaches about the gospel grace and freedom. So where does Galatians take place? Well, Galatia was a province of Rome. It's a province of Rome. It was a very, um, it had had some type of organized government there for several hundred years, uh, three, four hundred years. Before that, it was kind of the, the badlands. It just, roving groups of marauders would do, they would just take over certain areas and there wasn't a lot of structure. Um, so this wasn't an area like Italy or Rome where hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of of uh, governmental influence and structure and civilization had taken place. It was a pretty, was a pretty rough time. Um, so when was Galatians written? Well, there's, if you want to talk about a debate in the New Testament, oh my goodness, um, there are about three or four major different ideas on when Galatians was written. I don't think that it matters that much. It was either uh, Paul's first canonical work. I say canonical, I mean Paul wrote a lot of things. Some of those were inspired by the Holy Spirit and were the canon of Scripture. Canon of Scripture is a term where that's what we include in our Bible. 
So Paul had canonical works, things that were inspired by the Holy Spirit. He also had a lot of things that he wrote that were not canonical works, that were, I just have an idea that you need to hear about this, right? I'm going to go uh, write a letter to Abby, and Abby needs to know that, that I'm praying for today and that things are good, right? Well, that's cool. Well, the Holy Spirit may not have told him to do that, right? He may not have breathed those words out. So either this was his very first canonical work, or it could have been as late as his middle canonical work. So it's earlier in his writings. We do know that, um, just to kind of give us an idea. And we'll dig into that a little bit more later on, but I'm not going to focus too much on that. So the question is, why was Galatians written? And I've talked about this a little bit. So to, ch- to set the Galatians churches straight, on the gospel, grace, freedom, and how the law fits in with those three. Because we as New Testament believers, uh, Josh, can I borrow your Bible for a second? Thanks. So we as New Testament believers, how many of you have ever just, I mean, I'm not saying this is a massive struggle every day for you, but, but there's some type of a struggle with the idea, this is the Old Testament over here, this is the New Testament, that you just have a bit of a problem saying, none of this is important to me. Right? Has anybody ever struggled with this? It's just this idea that I, I think, no, there's, this is good. This is Bible, but this is different. There's a different model that exists in the New Testament. Does this make sense? So we're going to talk about what does a New Testament believer do with all of this. Right? Because, because you've been taught that the Ten Commandments apply to you, that you shouldn't lie, cheat, steal, kill kill or, or want your neighbor's donkey, right? I mean, that those, are, those are really bad things. You shouldn't, okay, well, it sounds like that would still fit in a New Testament model, but, but the whole don't eat a ham sandwich on the way to church in the morning, I don't know about that, right? I mean, so, so where is that line? What is that balance? What does that look like? And the, if you think we struggle with it, think about the New Testament believers, right? Because the only thing they'd ever heard about this God named Yahweh was this, this hadn't even, it was in the process of being written. So, so this is the, the literal word of God that they had, and they're trying to move into this new paradigm where, where Jesus has done something to the law, he fulfilled it, and then, like, did he do away with it, or did he, how does that work? So we're going to explore that a lot. Sorry, I lost your place in Galatians. You found it first. I figured you're good for it again, right? Okay, cool. All right. Um, so that's that's one of the big, big, big things that we're going to look at because I firmly believe when you do your quiet time in the Old Testament and you see something and you go, well, that looks like I need to live that. Well, is that for me or is that not for me? That's an important question that I want us to be able to answer as we go through. So, our outline for the book of Galatians. Is this in your notes? Is it in your handout? It is? Okay, great. Um, the first two chapters, we're going to cover, we're going to take April and a little bit of May, and we're going to look at grace and the lawyer. Grace and the lawyer. How many of you know where the term lawyer came from? Does anybody know? So I just talked about it. It was a person who was an expert in the, in the law. The original law was Moses, right? So this is a person who was an expert in the law of Moses. He was qualified to argue cases before the Jewish um, equivalent of the legislature, right? Is it, uh, not really the legislature, it's the wrong branch of government. The judiciary, right? Yes. It's like I just went to D.C. last week. I should have figured this out, right? It's not this complicated. 
yeah, so this is someone who, who knows a tremendous amount about the law and how the law is structured and how the law is implemented and case history for a thousand plus years in Jewish life. So this is a massive amount of, of writings that the rabbis and the scribes had, had documented about case history over since the law was given. So this is not just a, oh yeah, he knew the Old Testament. Oh, no, 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 no. This is somebody who was a master in the Old Testament. He could teach classes on it. He was an expert in this. And I'm talking about Paul. Paul was a lawyer. This is one of his jobs. He was a, you can think of him kind of like a prosecuting attorney. Um, think of him like a Harvey Dent would be a good character. Because he didn't just talk about it, like behind the scenes, he was going after them. Right? And he was dragging people into and de uh, dealing out justice, and here we go. This is it. That was my Batman reference for the day. So, okay. If you didn't get that, you can Google it. It's all right. so, so grace and the lawyer. So Paul talks about, for a couple chapters, how grace is important to him and how, how this has changed him and how it's changed this man and who he is and what his focus was and just kind of how this whole thing works together. So we're going to spend a, about a month just talking about the lawyer. And then two, grace and the law. So he switches from this personal description of him and his experiences to this very, very theologically heavy argument. Um, you, if you've read Romans lately, you will remember, uh, if, you, if you read Galatians 3 and 4, there's a lot of, we're, we're kind of, we're looking across the table at Romans. Um, we, we think Romans was written much later by Paul. But uh, you see some of the, I don't know the word that I'm looking for, but if, you, if you've ever read someone's collected works, you'll notice themes early on in their writings that are more fully fleshed out and developed in later works. This is kind of what Galatians is. You see these seeds of, oh, I kind of see how this is going to start to shape together. And then in Romans, he just throws it down and says, all right, this is how it works. Boom. I'm full on, all out, lawyer mode. Let's write the court case for the law and for grace and how they work together and what this is about. So it's this beginning of the seeds in, in grace and the law. And then three, grace and the life. And it will spend about two full months on those two chapters because this is, the, um, this is the application. This is the personalization. This is the so what, Paul. That's great. You've, you've given the Galatians a four-chapter lecture on why they're wrong and why they need to be thumped in the head and how awesome you are as an apostle and how you've got it figured out so how does that actually change anything, right? So what do we do about that? Does that make sense? Okay, so Paul's structure here has got a heavy, heavy, heavy focus on, on application. So knowledge objectives. Um, I do this for, it, most of the time I don't publish these. I don't talk about these with you guys. These are just on my own. This is what I want to accomplish as a teacher as we walk through this series. So how many of you are teachers? You've done teaching before. You're familiar with the concept of knowledge objectives. They're not the most exciting things in the world to write, but sometimes I think sharing them with the students can help. Oh, so this is what we're doing. This is the goal that we're going after here. So number one is to recognize the dangers and the downstream impacts of altering the gospel. The dangers and the downstream impacts of altering the gospel. So, so uh, Josh, can you read the first uh, couple of verses of Galatians for me? Stop. Okay. So, I appreciate that. I used to do this a lot more, and I, I've stopped doing it, and I like doing it, so I'm going to go back to some of it. So, Paul, an apostle. So, what's he immediately throwing down? Boom, right? Boom, I'm an apostle. Here we go, his credentials, right? 
How many of you have ever uh, met someone and, uh, and they went, hi, I'm uh, Dr. Fleming? And, and you immediately go, really, you're gonna leave with that? Because my name's Jim, right? I don't have a doctorate in anything. You, know, you think a school's gonna give me a doctorate in something? I mean, come on, that's hilarious. Um, but when somebody, when somebody introduces themselves and they lead with their credentials, it's okay, all right, you know. You know, Daniel is one of the most humble men that I know. And, and he could lead with, I am smarter than everybody else in the room. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, and I have, uh, absolutely, of course, absolutely. He's like, dude, you, you totally stepped in it there, yeah. Sorry. Uh, but he doesn't because he's not a jerk, right? <laughs> I mean, he's not. And, and, and Paul is trying to convey a message here of, you will listen to me. You know, and sometimes when we're talking to our kids, I am your father, and you will. It. You, you ever played that card at all? Yeah. Um, so, so he immediately comes out. He's swinging. I mean, we're three words in, and he's swinging. Okay, so this is his tone as we go through. So, so I don't have to read very far to recognize the dangers and the downstream impacts of altering the gospel. To Paul, this was a no-no. And if this was his first work, I love that he led off with defending the gospel. That boom, I am going to throw down and we are going to have a fight right now and set this straight. Because what if, what if he'd letting it go? What if he'd let it go? What if he'd said, you know what? Adding a little bit of the law, adding a little bit of works to grace, that's okay. What would that turn into? It, <laughs> It would turn into a lot of things, right? It would turn into a lot of things. It would turn into a lot of religions that we can look around the world and see today. That you have to have this checklist. You have to have this checklist. You have to have this checklist. Anybody grow up in a church that had a checklist? Yeah. It, and and it, it, takes, it takes so much. Um, I'm gonna, maybe I'm coining a phrase here. Baptism in grace. It's like, I'm going to dunk you in grace, and I'm going to dunk you in grace, and then, okay, you can, oh, you're still breathing. I'm going to dunk you in some more grace to get all that law off of you if you've ever grown up in that environment. You just feel like you have to, okay, no. It's time to go back and take another jump in the pool of grace because i just feeling like this law is creeping up again. And it's just so hard to get off. It's like the, uh, so I don't ever work on my truck. Y'all know me. But the once a month that I, I try to put oil in it because it leaks a lot of oil. Um, but like a dollar worth a quart of oil is a whole lot cheaper than having it fixed so we just pour that in and it works out fine um, <laughs> it's a, I promise you and we ain't going to talk about the amount of power steering fluid I put in it because that's just that's truly obscene <laughs> I buy it in like the gallon of, you know that's, I'm that guy that gets that much so. but when I'm finished I've got oil underneath my fingernails and on my fingers and it's just ugh. so I'll go to yeah I know it's like yeah <laughs> I know, exactly, right? This is, this is intended to be a little bit humorous. So, uh, so I go in, and I'm, I'm washing it off, and I'm washing it off, and I'm washing it off. I'm like, oh, it's still there. Because it's just hard to get off. And I feel like that's... What, I did this a couple weeks ago when I was doing it. I thought, you know, that's probably going to be a good example for how this law sticks to me sometimes. And I just have to keep taking it off and taking it off and taking it off. And there's different soaps that you can use that will do it faster, right? Uh, my wife uses... Is it Dove? Yep which is the most worthless thing that God has ever inspired somebody to create. Um, I don't know how you get clean with Dove. I'm a safeguard guy, right? So there's no skin left on my arms. It's just gone. I'd wash with a pumice rock if I could. Just, you know, just, just scrape it off and be just fine. But, you know, that's, 
that's her perspective. So, recognize. <laughs> oh, gloves, that would be a good idea, right? Yeah. Who'd have thought, right? <laughs> All right, knowledge objective number two to understand more fully the terms justification by faith and Christian liberty. Because you've probably heard these terms justification by faith, which kind of sounds pretty straightforward, and Christian liberty. Well, well, how far does Christian liberty go? What does good Christian liberty look like? What does taking advantage of Christian liberty look like? Is there a balance in between? You know, it says all things in moderation. Well, okay, is it moderation in Christian liberty or is it just unbridled, fettered access to Christian liberty? So we're going to look at that as well. Number three, to recognize the evidences of a spirit-filled life in myself and in others. And this is one of the things that I'm really excited about. It's going to take us a couple months to get there. We've got a lot of groundwork to lay. But... I want to give us a very clear-cut way, not a checklist, but a heart check, a very clear-cut way to look and see, am I walking in the Spirit? Right? And if I am, then I'm in a position to help somebody that may not be. But what I find in my life often is that I'm not walking in the Spirit, and that's when I want to help somebody that I think is not. Right? So then I come, and I'm the pumice stone that's great, 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 great all over them, and there's no love whatsoever, and what they really need is some Dove soap to gently <laughs> go through this process. I didn't know the soap was going to be such a good example. I like it, though. I may write that into the, the lesson. That's good. Uh, to gently go through this process of loving somebody. Does that make sense? Because you've all experienced the, somebody come, they lead with the rock, right? And they're just going to smack you in the head with the rock, and then, okay, that didn't work. So a couple other things there as well, but I have some resources that I want to give away today. Um, I went to a LifeWay uh, last weekend. Monday? Sure, Monday. She knows when I do things. That's why I have to look. I know, it's just it's ridiculous. And I bought everything they had on Galatians. If it said Galatians, I bought it. So worked out pretty well. Uh, Stephen Archer, I made his day, right? He, he, he did the sale, and that was great. I'm sure he got some commission or something. But uh, here's what I'm looking for. This one's mine. I'm keeping this one. So this was mine. This is my assignment. Uh, Word pictures in the New Testament. This is uh, uh, A.T. Robertson. Um, he is, uh, I wouldn't be mean enough to hand you this book. How's that? Okay, because what this guy does is he looks at every single Greek word. He looks at the tense, the spelling, where it was used before, all the different ways it was used in non-canonical literature compares that to the ways it's used in the, canon, in the canonical literature and then gives his perspective on what a good scenario would be to interpret this particular text. It is exceedingly dense, okay? I can only do about two pages, maybe three pages a day of this guy. It's just too much. So, so this one's going to be mine. I have the whole set, so I'm not going to give that away. But this one's going to be mine, so I'm, I'm uh, eating my own dog food here. That's the term I heard at work the other day. I like that. Um, because you know everybody's selling dog food, right? They want you to eat their dog food, but a lot of people don't eat their own dog food, so I'm going to eat my own dog food here. Um, but the idea is what I need is I've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 different resources. So I've got Barclay, J. Vernon McGee, um, uh, Wearsby, uh, Life Application Bible, uh, Tickvidian, uh, Luther, Tim Keller, uh, John MacArthur, and uh, one of my favorites, uh, Harry Ironside. So... Ten different resources, and here's the, here's the hook for getting a free resource today. If you will do a couple of things. If you will read the text, the biblical text, before the Sunday school lesson, okay, each week. If you will read the commentary text that accompanies that biblical text 
before the Sunday School lesson. And if you will email me any insights that you have or any insights that you thought were neat from the resource. An email can include, that's a cool page. I'm going to take a picture of it and text it to Jim. That works. All right. I, I quote a lot of things via text message now. It's just a lot easier than I'm going to go sit in my computer and type everything out and you know, it takes forever. So if you're interested in that, I have free resources for you. So, and go. Nobody. All right. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm just letting them go. So if you want it, you got to come and get it. So I love this kind of stuff. <laughs> Holy cow. Now let's, let's, let's make sure. I'm going to move my iPad out of the way here. They're making me nervous now. That's a good one. Yeah, I like that one. I've worn that one out. Yes, absolutely. Oh, thank you. Okay, I was gonna. I was afraid somebody was gonna leave Luther. I was like, oh my gosh. All right, so, uh, so I'm gonna tell a little story. Um, so, so which which commentary did you get, uh, Sean? Luther. Who Luther? Does he, does he have a first name? Martin Luther. Yes. You, you may have you you may have heard of him, right? He's kind of a he's kind of a big deal. Um, that particular book was kind of a big deal for him too. Uh, Luther is reading through the. Yeah, I've still got a couple here. So, no, you can't take all of them. That's not. Oh, we're working on it. Okay. So I want to hang on. Let me look at. Not yet, not that one. I didn't think anybody would get this one. I'm going to talk about this one in just a minute. So Luther is reading through Galatians, right? And he's reading through Galatians not in English because he didn't, I don't know that he knew English, right? He was, anybody know what nationality he was? He was German, um, which was really interesting, but we've, that's a whole other story. The, so he's reading through Galatians and he's reading it in the, anybody know which language? He was reading it in the, in the Latin, and he's reading the Latin, and he's going, this doesn't sound very right to me. So he goes, and he compares it with the Greek, and he's going, this was a really crappy translation. They missed some things here. This is a problem, because they took grace, and they added law in the translation. And he said, I don't think that's what Paul meant. And he kicked off this little thing called the, the Reformation. Yes. <laughs> so the reason we're not all Catholic today is that little book right there. It's kind of a big deal. So I'm expecting some good quotes. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, Luther, Luther was married. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no pressure, right? Luther was married, and his wife has this... Uh, really obnoxiously long, difficult to pronounce German name, but he called the epistle to the Galatians his wife because it meant so much to him and his spiritual life like she did to him in his natural life, which I thought was kind of a cool compliment. So that was his favorite book of the New Testament and probably the Bible as a whole, but uh, he was a really big into Galatians. So who else picked up a book? If you picked up a book, raise your hand. I'll go around the room. So uh, the B series. So Darla got uh, Be Free by Warren Wiersbe. Um, it's kind of a, I borrowed, I extended a little bit on the title for this series. Uh, what's the title for this series? Galatians. 
It's on the back side. Freedom for life. Freedom for life. And I like that because uh, we the, had the free concept, and I think we're probably trending in the right direction with that. Who else got one? Because some of you got books, but I have no idea. I got nothing. So it may be heresy, may not be. So tread lightly. You know, not. Yeah, you'll like this one. So you've heard of this guy named Billy Graham, right? Yeah, that's his grandson. Yeah. So sometimes when you grow up in a family and somebody's really well known for something, you have a natural bent toward that thing in an excellent type of way. Tullian Chikvidian, I mean, who names your kid Tullian, right? Yeah, well, that's one of the church fathers from, like, it's got a comma in it a number of years ago. Um, He's a brilliant author. Stephen Archer would not let, he said, I'm not letting you leave with a collection of works about Galatians if you're not going to pick this one up too. I said, okay, all right, cool. He's a pretty well-read dude, so I'm really looking for some quotes on that. Justin, did you grab one? Keller, yes, Tim Keller. Oh, man. Uh, So Tim Keller is going to take a baseball bat to you about every 30 minutes, and you may have a, I know he's doing insanity as well, so his physical appearance might change, but his his theological appearance might change too. So, I mean, he's going to get beat the crap up, so just love him through it. He may need some help through it, right? Who got MacArthur? Did you get MacArthur in the back? Yes. All right, so so just get ready to throw down, okay? Because the thing I like about John MacArthur is there's, um, so sandpaper, right? You've got fine grit and you've got coarse grit. John MacArthur is the coarse grit sandpaper when it comes to writing commentaries. He's going to write what he thinks, and he don't really care if you disagree, because if he thinks God's told him something, he's going to write it down. So it's coarse grit, man. He's just going to wear down on you. So, but I'm excited about that. Who else got one? Yes. Ah, yes. Romans and Galatians. So feel free to read the Romans part two. Iron when he's going through Romans, but Galatians is really, really good. Harry Ironside was my first commentary that I ever read in the book of Nehemiah, so I'm kind of partial to Ironside. So, so. What'd you get? Uh, J. Vernon McGee. This is J. Vernon McGee here on the radio. And we're gonna... You hear the accent, right? How many of you have heard J. Vernon McGee? Yes. He's brilliant. He's just... J. Vernon McGee is like the people's pastor. He, he is not going to... You're not going to die in Greek you're not going to be left out on the vine wondering what's going on. He's just going to say it in English. And when he can't say it in English, he's just going to love you through it, and it'll be okay. You know, he's just, he's good stuff. So, he's what? Really? I didn't know that. And then what'd you get? Ah, uh, Barkley, yes. So be sensitive with Barkley. Tread lightly there, because he, he's good, and then he'll kind of go off in the deep end, and then he'll come back, and then he'll look across the deep end, and then he'll come back, and he just, so be careful there. Um, and then I've got one of the Life Application Bible Commentary. I have no idea about this one. So if somebody wants to kick the tires and test drive this one, that's cool. I didn't realize I had two Barclays. This is my personal copy. Okay. So if anybody wants this one, you can come up and get it after class too. So that is Galatians. That is where we're going to go. Your homework for next week, everybody's homework, because we're back in Sunday school, right? So you have homework with school. That's the way that works, is to read Galatians 1, 1 through 1, 5, because that's next Sunday morning's lesson. So... Thank you for coming today. I am excited about, if you hadn't noticed, I'm kind of excited about Galatians, just a little bit. Um, This is going to be really, really, really fun as God beats us to death about Galatians. So make sure you sign in on the sheet, share your prayer requests with each other, pray as a table, and you are free to go. Thank you for coming today.